Oscar Poker. I met this guy, and he looked like he might have been a hat check clerk at a nice rink, which in fact, he turned out to be. And I said, oh boy, right again. screening of The Big Short that happened on Thursday to a very select few at the DGA. And the initial um, uh, excitement and, and juice, particularly about Steve Carell. And then the follow-up cool. story, which initially came from where, Sasha? Was it you, Scott Feinberg? Who posted that first about, about um, Carell being the lead? Or they're going to run him as the lead. They want him to be considered as a lead. Um, I got contacted by the publicist who told me that, and that's why I posted it. But um, I had to amend what I had written because okay. someone wrote to me and said they'd seen the film and that Carell could win in supporting. And I thought, okay, well, now time to reconfigure the supporting categories because that's possible. It's sort of an open category anyway. Um, this is um, right away when I heard this, my very first thought was, here they are trying to push a supporting person into a lead or have it be thought of as a lead uh, performance. And I'm not obviously in no position to say yay or nay, but I have spoken to three people who, who did attend. And they, uh, one of them thinks, yeah, it's, it's, he's got the, you know, the, the arc. He's, he's the most prominent of the three. It's a, mostly, it is an ensemble piece. But Steve Carell's role is the strongest and the one that you uh, emotionally identify with the most. He, he stands out the most. But he's Michael Douglas in Traffic. Now, was Michael Douglas's Traffic role a lead, in your view? I think he was nominated in lead, wasn't he, Eric? Um, well, uh, not Michael Douglas, but, I mean, Steve Carell just got his Foxcatcher nomination for a very borderline right. supporting lead. And, you know, he even got that supporting nomination at BAFTA, which right. kind of threw it. That really threw us off a lot. That's true. And that, that this year, let me just say to the people listening, we're talking with Eric Anderson of awardswatch.com, and he's joining us for this podcast. And um, no. that, well, yeah, right? Hi. Nice to It's, it's actually his anniversary today for his marriage. Oh, yes, marriage. it is. 20-year marriage is. or something. It's like a 20-year, is it 20 years? Yes. Well, let's uh, seven-year seven year wedding anniversary, but yeah, together 20 years. And what am I doing? I am on the computer talking about movies. <laughs> okay. yeah. That's oh. why we had to do it early. So, okay, so uh, this year so, there's so all Carell, these... Carell's role, you're saying, Eric, was, was uh, clearly in your mind and most people's mind what, what would be called a supporting, uh, but he got best actor out of it. He did, and that was really because, you know, you had Mark Ruffalo and... I, it, it makes sense that you got lead and it happens Sorry. all the time. Um, you know, you get these these borderlines. Look at Anthony Hopkins. He had 16 minutes of screen time in a two-hour-plus movie, mm. and he won. So right. it, it really is more about the impact of the role, I think, more than 
screen time versus you know your other players. Boy, and that's... for something like Corell and Foxcatcher being the villain and being so over the top and big, it, it, it made sense for him as the lead. I'll buy that. I, I actually uh, subscribe to that, and it is about the impact, but, um, but I, I can only, again, go back to the three folks that I've spoken to, and they all say, look, this is an ensemble piece. That's just all there is to it. He's, he's the guy you remember, but this is an ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. So there's no real lead. Not not in the traditional sense, but um, uh, do you think that things are? I mean, you know, things are starting to look a little bit. You know, the more I, I kind of looked at Best Actor again last night, and I started to realize, gee, everybody's got a weakness here. Uh, I know. There's, uh, you know, I don't think Fassbender is particularly um, um, likable or or arresting. In Jobs, he's he's persistent and he's adamant and he's and he's fearless as far as willing to be an asshole, but. I don't. I don't feel that much from him. Uh, Eddie Redmayne has been diminished. I, th- I think from the get-go, from the first screenings of the Danish Girl in Toronto. Not that anybody says he's bad. He's actually quite open, quite delicate, and quite. Um, uh, you know, he goes there as much as he can and, and, and hats off. But he's not the one that everybody's talking about. It's Alicia Vikander from that film, not not Eddie. And Michael Caine is a gold watch. You know. Um, uh, a nomination if it happens. If it happens, yeah. yeah. I feel like and that it, movie is like I, I, when I saw it in Cannes, I thought that youth was going to be kind of an Oscar player, but it's it's been so muted and quiet. Like it, I, I'm not sure what's going on there. Like it doesn't. Jane Fonda. Feel, Jane Fonda's with like this whole season with a lot of things. But I mean, sticking with Best Actor, in uh, yeah. year versus like last year, which had way too many candidates and not you know enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, only five, you know, nominations. And this year is like, it's kind of bleak. There is, there, there can be some strange surprises. Um, it's just, yeah, there's not a lot of people that are really holding on to buzz or maintaining it. Uh, Eddie Redmayne, like you said, uh, Jeff was, you know, before the Danish girl screened was really high on everybody's list. And then it was just kind of like, eh, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> He's good. Yeah. And then there's yeah, I mean, even comments like he's you know, he acts more with his hands and touching his face than actually gives a performance. Right. And there's 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 Poor some God. pretty some pretty shady things, but it's you know, it's but funny. It's, it's also gonna get killed when it opens from um, you know, the trans community who are gonna be upset that uh, a straight actor is playing not straight, cisgendered actor is playing mm-hmm. um, a trans character. I know that's already starting. So I don't know what kind of trouble that's gonna cause, but it's weird it's because... There's going to be noise on the side. You think people are going to be swayed that strongly about... No, the... not Oscar voters. I'm just saying, you know, controversy is controversy. It always makes people kind of like, ah, about a movie, whether they understand it or agree with it or not. Um, yes. It, it's just the way the Oscars work. But isn't it weird how the year started out? It looked like every movie was going to have a strong leading male performance that was going to mm-hmm. make it a really crowded year. And then here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, heading into November, and I mean, we might really actually see a Leonardo DiCaprio winning this thing because it might look like it's everybody else is so weakened, and you know, and he has a clear shot to win. And he also has the Ozies. He has the 22 years of doing it and nomination twice before, so he's got a do right. thing going on, just like Julianne Moore had last year. Right. Very much. This this is the kind of year that DiCaprio has needed for the last. 20 years exactly uh something that was just had no front runner uh and has some kind of pull i mean i know with fastbender and jobs you know they they're trying to you know milk 
the father-daughter relationship and it has, you know, the ending which has most people rolling their eyes. Mm-hmm. But then you've got DiCaprio too and his his story in the movie is a really great one of revenge. They added uh, a son character in the movie that's not in the book. So right here, yeah, that's right. Which gives a huge emotional pull that it otherwise would not have had. And I just, I, I think he's as long as the movie is good and all of these things, you know, fall into place. Mm. This is by far his best shot. Right, and you're exactly right when you say it's like Julianne Moore and and that this is the kind of year he's been waiting for because there were so many opportunities uh, for other actors to come in and and take his spot. Like, for instance, let's say that youth had really lived up to what we thought its potential would be. I mean, and it still might surge in the last act, but it doesn't feel like it is. It's just that, and let's say Michael Caine was headed for that, you know, yet another Oscar (laughs) because they like him so much and... How upset mm-hmm. would people be if it was Michael? I'm just saying, if it was Michael Caine yeah. versus Leonardo DiCaprio, and, and he gives this great performance, and once again, somebody else comes along and takes it. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen at all so far, and, anyway. Right? And let's re, 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 repeat that story that I heard during Telluride about Toby McGuire being of the strong opinion, having presumably heard it from Leo, that the Revenant's the best thing he's ever been in, ever. Mm. So that's that's the belief, at least in their corner. Sure, sure. So we'll see, we'll see. So let's get into let's get into joy. Let's get into this surprise <laughs> test screening that like launched it to the top of the pile over there at Awards Watch, where they are That's predicting. There was very. Start out at the beginning, Eric, and tell us how how the whole thing came down and and what happened. Oh, okay. So there was a a joy screening announced. I think it was on a Monday two weeks ago. Manhattan Beach, right? And yeah, and. Um, and I had a couple of members down there from Awards Watch that were going to be able to go. So I talked with them privately and said, you know, here's what I would, you know, I'm hoping if you get in, this is what I want to hear from it. And, you know, coming from primarily just a, an awards standpoint, like who's, who's, you know, lead and who's supporting and how much screen time. And that's kind of what, mm. what I was interested in. But also, I mean, I really wanted to see from the initial screening what the tone of of the movie was going to be because this has been kind of up for debate and a lot of conversation because you know was it going to be another comedy was it going to have more dramatic elements to it um because the trailer didn't give that much away it was showing a lot but it didn't really give a whole lot i actually think that that very last shot in the trailer in which she's at a firing range and she's firing away with a shotgun or something Mm -hmm. to me that indicated uh humor and, yeah, exactly. And, you know, so I thought maybe we were talking American um, hustle or maybe even silver lining, something in that general tone. So I was very surprised, right. as we're about to say, that it's not that, but it's e- drama. E- yeah, then, yeah. So what then came back uh, from both is that it is like unequivocally a 100% drama. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are elements to it uh, that that they had told me about after the after the piece that I wrote and through the focus group, because they did do a focus group and one of the people uh, that attended got, was in the focus group as well. Mm -hmm. And there is some confusion by people. One of the questions they asked was, you know, if you tell your friends about joy, you know, what, what are you going to tell them the movies about? And most of the people had a really hard time, you know, giving that little quick five second elevator pitch. 
Mm. Uh, so I think that's there's another screening on Tuesday happening in New York. Uh, uh, I th- no, I think it's in LA again. Oh, uh, and I know we've got at least a couple of people going to that too. Mm. So I think they are trying to uh, to establish the right tone uh, to make it easy to talk about since you know, uh, yeah. join Mangano's story. And, and I'm sure that they want people to say it's, you know, something more than it's a story about a woman that events a mop. That's not the, What's that's the not going to be the draw. Well, I, I, wait, I wait. don't think it's going to be the draw. Well, Jennifer Lawrence is the draw. Jennifer Lawrence is the draw. It's but, about struggle, survival, you're alone, you have got to do it yourself, you have kids, you have to put food on the table. What's what's so banal or uninteresting about that? Exactly. I haven't even seen it, and I can look at it and go, this is a classic American story of a rags-to-riches single mother. It's Mrs. I mean, Miniver, right? Well, well, how do you uh, even explain uh, so any... Mildred, Mildred Pierce and Aaron Brockovich were the two okay. main comparisons. Okay. Right. But then what came back later was comparisons to The Godfather and There Will Be Blood, which really threw me off. <laughs> oh, come on, you're fucking... I'm not even kidding you. I'm not even kidding you. That's a you. joke. Come on. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Because there are there is there is a mafia element to it. Okay. Uh, there are dream sequences. So it's a, it is a big... All right, so it's not. I, I movie, hate to so draw, I don't They think, have to get it under control. It doesn't sound like it's going to win Best Picture if it's that confusing. Oscar voters are very simple. Why do you say these words confusing when we were simply told that it's got elements that are much stronger than a typical standard this happens and that happens? In other words, he's using impressionism. He's yes. using intensity. What's wrong with that, Sasha? Why because that it's too artistic for the Academy, and you know oh it. Oh, my God. The most bold I they've guess. ever gone in the last 17 years is Birdman. That's the most bold they've ever gone with Best Picture. And you could describe that pretty easily in a couple of sentences. Oh, you, you, can, you can have your spirit lifted. You can have your soul touched. You can feel like you're communing with God, him or herself, when you're watching a film. And you know what's going to kill that? Show it to the Academy. And then everything just. But why are you? Out, why are you telling me this? I mean, do you want to like be able to change the the age of the academy members and turn them into I don't know the L.A. film? One way critics? or another, they kill whatever is wonderful and transcendent. Well, not necessarily. I wanted to know from Eric, like, how old was the focus group? Like, were they like mid twenties, early twenties? That's actually a good question. I don't know. Uh, that that's a good question, and I can I can clarify that pretty pretty. Wouldn't easily you uh, presume that, they, that the focus group would be? the people who have know a little bit about what it takes to survive in this land, and that's not under 25, but people who have really are having to, to bear the burden. Wouldn't okay. that be the key focus group for this? I think it would, yeah, be a little bit of both. I mean, they're not just going to go for, you know, teenage girl Hunger Games fans. That's right, not, right. that's not, that isn't going to do them any good, really, yeah. uh, for a, a story like this. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, the feedback that I got was despite all of these things that it's an incredibly accessible movie. Mm-hmm. So I really do think that they are trying to find, you know, exactly the right pace and tone and amount right. of uh, fairy tale element because that came up too. That it well that to, to be there is a fairy tale element to the story. To be fair to him, I mean, David O. Russell's movies are unique. They're hard to describe in a couple of sentences, any of them. Like, try to describe, you know, flirting with disaster to somebody. I mean, you could, you could do the exactly. basic spine it's of it. It's been described, Sasha. Please stop 
propagating this notion that it's hard to describe. He, Eric is the one who right. said it was hard to describe. I'm talking about in the focus group. They couldn't say what they thought the movie was about. Yeah, the, fo- the focus group itself had a very hard time giving like a very simple, here's what the movie's Unless about. you're a moron, I think that Aaron Brockovich meets Mildred Pierce is pretty succinct. That's fine. Yeah, well, exactly. I'm my, not talking about Eric's no interpretation of it or Eric's, the people on Eric's site. I'm talking about the people in the focus group, oh. Joe Popcorn, as you yes. like to refer to them. They're having yes, a hard time Joe describing Popcorn, exactly. what it's about, right? That's all I'm saying. You know, you yeah, shouldn't this, fight this, me on this. this I'm talking is, about something this important. This is a movie that's going to need to play to the, the Midwest. It's This isn't going to be uh, a, a coastal movie. This this is this is a heartland story and and i know that they they are going to want to to be able to appeal to that in a way that's you know accessible and understandable joy has a a last name that ends in a vowel it takes place in long island it's not a big city sophisticated thing it's about struggle and making things work because you say it's got a mafia element it's about people in the middle or lower middle right i'm very much very much so but what eric's saying is he's saying they're, the focus groups and the test screenings are trying to figure out if it's going to play everywhere so that it will make money and it yeah. will be successful. It's not about necessarily the Oscar race. It's more about, is this movie going to be... Like, they're not doing a focus group for Oscar voters. They're doing a focus group for I understand that ticket part. buyers yeah. and yeah. Jennifer Lawrence fans and people like that that are going to buy tickets to go... That will affect its cinema score, right? The people who are going to be there opening night are going to be Jennifer Lawrence fans. And how are Jennifer Lawrence fans going to relate to this? How are they going to like it? Are they going to tell their friends to see it? It's just, exactly. that's all it's yep. about. That, that, but that doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. I was just curious about that aspect, like why they couldn't describe it. I, you know, I, you know, I know I Eric feel- would have no trouble describing it. You would have no trouble describing it. But what is it about it that makes it so hard for them to describe? That's all I was interested in. So, yeah. but we can move on. So, okay, so it went you know, really well. Like, the reason I write this column is because I get to insult people during Oscar season because <laughs> people are people that I can't stand. I can't stand stupidity and ignorance. And, you know, I'm not talking about being brilliant and knowing everything and being, you know, sophisticated. I'm just talking about basic knowledge that anybody who's had any life on this planet should have a little awareness of. And most people, as you're saying, don't. They just live in their little pockets, and they don't, they don't want to know from nothing, and they just want to... It's, it's so depressing, but I, I enjoy it at the same time. So. <laughs> but it's all good. Um, <laughs> so, um, so what made you then, Eric, make the leap to say you think it's going to win Best Picture from the, from the test screening and all that? Because I, I really... I started looking at, at what's, what's really in the running... Um, I really do think that there are a lot of fantastic uh, women's films this year. Mm -hmm. And for all of the years, you know, that all three of us have been watching, you know, Oscars and covering this, every time they try and trot out a year of the woman kind of theme, I just roll my eyes because it's really bad. This year has some validity to it because for better or worse, you know, with the movies. There are women-led movies that are really extraordinary, uh, very well uh, received, and it's it's awesome. But at the same time, I have to look at the realist in me and know that they're not all going to make it. Right. There will still be, you know, a need by Ampus voters to get their, you know, male-driven male-dominated 
stories in there. Steak eaters. <laughs> the steak eaters. Um, and, it, you know, and, it's, and then, I, then I start to get a little bit cynical. But in regards to, to, to Joy, I, I really think it can be a big box office hit. Um, I think the trajectory of Russell speaks for itself. I think the story, if it's told well, like I said, is going to be an, a classic American success story. Mm. And it, that will make it a feel-good movie, which also needs to be an important thing. You can have great passion votes for nominations, but the movie needs to make people feel good about themselves or about what they're voting for. That's a that's a huge huge component. Yeah. So if it has that, I think it has a fantastic path to get there. Well, it, if they have the passion to go to these things and they are passionate enough to post something, and one is an, has an industry connection of some sort, and one perhaps does not, mm -hmm. I don't see why people like that have to be discounted. Are, are they mentally stable, as far as you're aware? Yes, okay. completely. <laughs> mentally stable. <laughs> And the reason that I don't post stuff like that and he doesn't is because for two reasons. Number one, it's a test screening, which means they're they're putting out feelers to see how they're going to shape their movie. It's not the it might not be the movie. It might be. No, it's it how might they're going the to shape the final look of the movie. They're not the, no, that's not true. I've seen some pretty dramatic changes from test screenings before in films. You see significant changes, you know, cutting off a live final scene or adding. Yeah, some. and that makes a difference. So that's oh. number one, and number two is that. It's kind of like, um, you know, as soon as you say something out loud, you change the game. You actually can influence the way people look at a movie. So, for instance, if, if Joy, the very fact that you predict Joy, that changes the way people are going to receive the movie. That takes away the surprise element of, wow, we just saw this movie. And it's, I mean, not, I'm not saying Eric is doing that intentionally or that, you know, you know, any of us, like Scott Feinberg says, I don't have that kind of power. And it's true, but, but it does change the conversation. And, and that in itself, once you talk about it, it does change it. And so therefore, it no longer has the surprise element anymore. Sasha is again ignoring that four days before the screening happened, the conversation, if you will, up in Santa Barbara was it may not even come out this year. Yeah. And that it and again it also might it'll probably be in the vein of, you know, like like the last two Russell films, kind of a dramedy, you know, funny here, solemn, you know. So that was both those things were upended by the And and, and and speaking to that, that was actually one of the main reasons why I decided to to turn this screening into such a uh a, a piece. So he was just passing along what people were saying, wasn't he? I didn't read the tweets, but isn't that what he more or less said? He was, the, he was the first person I saw that information from. Okay. So I never heard anything. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm typically out of the loop, but I, I didn't read any of those tweets about Joy, so I hadn't. The only thing I heard was in Santa Barbara when we were having that conversation about, right. you know, um, who and and you know, where that information came from and what it was about. And then the very next thing was, you know, boom, test screening, boom, you know, rave review. It's right. going to win Best Picture. I mean, that that is definitely a good, if you want to, if you want to change what, you know, if you don't like what people are saying, change the conversation. And that changed the conversation, maybe not yeah. intentionally, but it certainly did help Joy a great deal. Um, so Sure. And, 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 and I will, I will fess up right now and tell you that it, it was very intentional. I do want to 
change the conversation. Or I mean, it's I we're we're pretty new at this. Uh, you are not in, in, in term in term in terms <laughs> You've been of doing being it an as entity. Long as I but you know, I I I want to I want to make a splash. I want to I want to. I don't know. Not not you're, have have impact, but I I I want to I want to be you know a part of it. So. You're not artificially and uh, in a hyperbolic way creating something. You had what sounds to me like relatively legitimate information from firsthand observers of the film. So I don't think that's being. Uh, I, I don't either because I don't have any personal investment in the movie. And it, it was funny because Glenn Whip of the LA Times wrote a big piece on the response to this and and called me a, a passionate David O. Russell supporter, which was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> and then I emailed him and we talked and he's a mm-hmm. big sweetheart. Mm-hmm. But um, but I mean, it is that just isn't really very true. I haven't loved a David O. Russell movie since Three Kings. I think his his best movies. You didn't like all, The Fighter? I think it's okay. It's 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 okay. I love Amy Adams. I think she's great. Um, I think Christian Bale was over the top and silly. Um, I'm not a fan of Silver Linings Playbook or of Lawrence's Win. I thought she was. I thought she was wonderful in that film. Oh, I thought she was really. Uh, Everybody thought she was wonderful in that film. I did I was, not. I didn't I think she deserved to win, but she was she was good in it. She just she was it was a supporting part, and I thought I, I was, just wasn't a fan. I liked American Hustle. I liked her better in that, and it's a fun movie, but it's you know it doesn't it doesn't. I like older David O. Russell. I listen, like listen to starting with Paul, disaster. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence is supporting in Silver Linings Playbook. She was. Her. She was his girlfriend. But, in any other in yeah, any other year, that would have been a supporting performance. Why, but the fact that Weinstein. So Go ahead. But the fact that a there weren't any really strong leading roles that year for women, and b it was Weinstein. He pushed her in lead, and she won. She would have won in supporting, and she should have been in supporting. And so that Emmanuel Riva could have won on her 80th birthday. She flies in. 85th. Half, 85th flies in half dead from France to attend the Oscars, <laughs> only, uh, only to see Jennifer Lawrence, you know, crown the prom queen. But I think she's great. I don't want to say anything bad about her. I'm just saying I agree more with Eric that I don't think that was a that was like a popularity contest. It was an example of Hollywood like absolutely at its worst. But. Um, but she is, to me, one of the best actresses around, and I think she's great, and I can't wait to see her enjoy, and I hope why, it's as good as he says. Why are so many people so calling um, uh, calling uh, Alicia Vikander's uh, performance in The Danish Girl a lead? She's just the, she's, she's the girlfriend. She's, she's begging him to love her, and it's, it's unseemly uh, for a girl uh, like it, that. There's no such thing as a happy ending between a man and a woman anymore, because Sasha's... No, you know, this Sasha movie was poorly talk, written. But, that part was poorly written. It wasn't a real part. She existed only for his pleasure and his benefit. The only thing she wanted was for him to like her, and that's what the end of the movie was. Alicia Vikander is going through so many different things in that movie. She's a she's a she's painter. Still the and, a, but isn't it more her point of view? Absolutely, than it is Redmayne's. And she that's, has her I, whole, That's arguable. Yes, that I, I'll buy that. that she has more. her own trajectory in the story. She meets other people. She's she's working out yeah. her own art. She's trying to make it as a painter. She's not just here. Let me sexy dance. Do you like me now? Here, let me yeah. do this. And you know, you we're like... seeing more category fraud this year than in any that I can think of. Yeah, I it's mean, it's crazy this year. It's crazy this year. It's sort of like the publicists are saying. Focus just didn't want to have 
Vikander compete with Kerry Mulligan. It's pretty. Yeah. I, I you know I don't see it as anything more than that. She should be in lead. She's the lead performance. It's one of the best performances for a woman that I've seen in a while, and it's really good. And there's no comparison. Jennifer Lawrence was good as a supporting character in Silver Linings. I'll just say that. And I don't want to keep ragging on her because I want her to do well in Joy. I wouldn't mind if she won her second Oscar. And I think uh, it looks like a really good movie. But that's a leading performance, Joy. I wonder if yes. Mulligan, incidentally, is going to come to the States. I was told she would when they started doing suffragette um, promotion by her publicist. They're having it uh, a screening of it on Monday night, I believe. Uh, do you know that she gave birth and they didn't have one? She's, she's, actually, she's actually here right now Okay. Uh, at Mill Valley doing the closing night uh, oh, great. Then she'll be here. of the festival. So wow. she's getting a spotlight uh, tribute, and then it's, it's the closing night film. So that's happening tonight. With so her she's tiny here little baby, California. her tiny little bundle baby with her. Oh, that would be so hard to do that, to do all that. Does just anybody right know the gender of her child? It's a girl. Her name's Evelyn. Okay, you're ahead of me. Thank you for telling me. That's a great name. That's a I cool know. name, yeah. I like that. That's so that's sweet. Actually, that's actually one of those uh, early 20th century names, like Maud, her character in Suffragette. And, um, you know, the, the, there's the sound of those names that just kind of aren't used that much. Evelyn is kind of old. Cool, old world. These are making a big sweet. comeback. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. They're they're but, getting away from the Ashleys and Tiffany's and that kind of stuff. Thank yeah. God. Yeah, this the uh, Ashleys so, and Tiffany's. Those are 80s names. <laughs> so um okay, so let's just talk about this for a second. The cool thing about Joy, if it wins Best Picture, which I would be very excited if it did, um, the it will be finally David O. Russell's big win. Now he's been nominated three for three films like uh, so it was it was the fighter it was silver linings and it was american hustle and nominated for director for two out of three or three out of three um three three out of three so he's kind of overdue at this point but but more importantly absolutely there has not been a best picture winner with a female lead since 2002 yeah that's a long time ago it's absurd so can you believe that so I mean and that also, alone. Those people are in the back of their minds are probably going to have a little uh, uneasy feeling about going for Inaritu's film yeah. twice, twice in a row. So they're probably going to want to give it to Joy if they can because it, they'd like to you know spread it around a little bit and it's a little excessive I think to give uh, a, a gifted obviously gifted director two Oscars in a row. So. And, and well, also, it's also extremely extremely rare for a director to have his very next film, you know, after winning Best Picture and Best Director, be right. a big uh, Oscar contender. It's rare. Yeah, yeah. Clint Eastwood was the last person to do that, and that was, like, 2006. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yep, yep. It is rare. It's incredibly rare, but, you know, if anybody's going to do it, he's going to do it. I didn't think, I mean, you know, he, he sort of already changed things when Birdman won. That, that was not it's, your typical it, Exactly. That's, that's, that's one of the more fun things every year is that the, the more, you know, statistics in history we have to work on that get broken, right. you know, the less there is. And then the game becomes, you know, a little more, a little more right. uh, free form and exciting. Right. And, and, and that's, that's cool. I mean, it won without an editing nomination and look how long yeah. that took to happen. Right. And they it won because they liked it, period. You know, that, then that could be joy. Like maybe they can't define it. Maybe they don't even know why they like it. Like American Hustle. Maybe they have no idea what it's about. <laughs> they just like Let's go again with that narrative. They're well, just try to describe American <laughs> Hustle to anybody. Like, well, how do you even describe actually, that's that? That's a movie? tough one to describe. That is <laughs> it is. That's actually a huge movie that has a lot of things going on, 
and a equal amount of comedy and drama and music and clothes and and basically you know all you have to do is go to i think it's the oh, i don't remember the name of the site but every year there's this website that does the uh uh true posters or, or yeah or movie yeah. titles that are you know based on what it is and i think american hustles was like uh wigs and dresses or something it right. was just awesome it was hilarious you, you, you know what never... american hustle really was if you, if you had to if you were to press me i would say it's about uh, a demimond of not very attractive people lying to each other relentlessly in order to enrich themselves as best they can or get out of trouble then that's a really good description I'm, I'm just thinking like if you put people at it like let's say it screened for the new york film critics they gave it best picture right um, if you, uh, yeah, they, they, they gave it best picture before anybody had really seen it or reviewed it. But mm -hmm. if you put those same focus group people who just saw joy in a room after American hustle, I bet you they couldn't even, they would say, I liked it, but I have no idea what it was about, but they liked the movie because it's David or Russell's so good with character, mm -hmm. you know, and you just love what, and especially the two of them, Jennifer Lawrence and David O. Russell together. Like they are, um, I mean, I'm a little, I'm a little intrigued by this negative buzz um, that I hadn't heard because I missed it on Twitter. I, I follow Chris, but um, about the editors and all that and the focus. Because that was only, that was only Tapley and he was trying to be really shady uh, that it had multiple editors and they brought the in hopes of winning an Oscar. That's and not such just, a bad thing necessarily if you're bringing... It's not a bad thing. Wait, say that again because it, it lost, it dropped off on the recording. Just say that last so, time. So, so, so what Chris had said was that he was, he was, you know, laughing at that they had had three editors on and that they just brought the Whiplash editor on in hopes of oh, uh, winning, winning the movie an Oscar. And, you know, he's just, he's just, you know, playing and, and being, you know, Chris. <laughs> That's interesting, though, and that makes me think it's going to have really good editing. But but here's the thing about David O. Russell. I think he's so he was so close to winning for mm -hmm. the variety of movies, and he's probably wondering, what is it that's keeping me from winning the Oscar? Why can't I make movies that they, quote-unquote, like? And so I'm wondering if they're, he's just trying to make it cleaner, you know, sort of like The Departed, you know, when Martin Scorsese finally won, just sort of cleaner and more accessible for everybody instead of just film critics types, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if, if that might be the case with Joy, so that it is actually a really... That's one of my problems with David O. Russell Dream films. Dream sequences, mafia guys, miracle mops. doesn't sound that clean to me. It sounds fascinating. <laughs> miracle like, mops. It, yeah. <laughs> it does. I mean, everything about it sounds pretty awesome to me. Yeah. No, I, come on. Let's listen to that. Mildred Pierce, Aaron Brockovich, The Godfather, and there will be blood. Yeah. Come on. That's crazy. Who doesn't want to see that? <laughs> I wonder what about There Will Be Blood that... Um... Maybe. Yeah, that's a, that's a threw me when I heard that one. I was thinking, yeah, I was I'm, thinking I'm, of Jennifer Lawrence going, "I'm finished." I, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that, that, be, that, that gun funny. scene. She's shooting something at the end. Maybe it has something to do with that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I I would I would love for this to win, not you know for David Russell, but for Megan Ellison to be able to win. I, that's what I would really that's like. Great. Yeah, there you go. That's a you know what she deserves I, it. Megan Ellison, I love her so much. She won my heart when she kept Vidiots opening. That's such a great thing for the culture of Santa Monica and West LA for a store like Vidiots, which is by if natural market forces had any say about it, it wouldn't last and she made it last anyway i think it's wonderful they don't like her though in the academy they there's a stigma against her because they think she's just you know rich girl with daddy's money I, i've noticed that in the past few years that she doesn't quite get the respect that i think she deserves from the old timers she does from the filmmakers and the and the talent mm -hmm. you know who love her because yeah. god I mean, she's a helping lot of people them. start out rich and it's true but you know if you put your money where your passion is and you stick with it and you and you have 
have consistently good choices that you make, that, that it removes the onus of being a rich girl, in my view. Does anybody know why this isn't a Weinstein movie? Um, because, uh, I don't... Because Weinstein is having an absolute disastrous year, maybe. <laughs> Uh, Not as bad as Sony Pictures Classics. Eric is like the Bernie Sanders of the Oscar race. He'll just totally tell it like it is. I don't think Sony Pictures Classics necessarily had a bad year because they had to bump um, um, uh, I Saw the Light because I think it was pretty obvious uh, even before Toronto that they didn't have a lot of belief and faith in it. So they just... No, and and the reviews were shit, and they didn't even have enough faith in Miles Ahead to replace it with that. Truth made, like, what, $10 this weekend? They're in... (laughs) Deep trouble. The wipeout. I know that's a bad. They, they have not. They have. They have Maggie Smith and the Lady in the Van, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and Lily Tomlin and Grandma, which was the second screener to get out to Ampus voters. So that's right. I got it pretty early. Yeah. So that's that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't think. No, I have a feeling does. that Lily Tomlin doesn't really figure. Can we can we go through the whole? Yeah, let's um, do the. Yeah. Let's do. I want um, Eric to explain. The gold rush thing, and then we're going to go sure. through explain what it is and, and how people, if they want to, can get involved in it, and then we'll go through category by category. I don't think Jeff right. knows what it is, the gold rush, but let me okay, go cool. ahead. Okay, cool. So, so what, what I did is, as I very much modeled uh, after uh, Tom O'Neill and, and Gold Derby with, with his, uh, his group of experts, right. uh, and it's a little bit like uh, Gurus of Gold, too. I mean, there's only so many. You know, words that you can attach to this kind of thing, really, <laughs> to be able to get your fucking point across. That's gold um, has to feature in there. So. I mean, yeah, if it doesn't have gold rewards, like, forget it. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> so, so, I mean, I, I adopted a lot of, of, of these kind of things. So what, what, um, what we have at Awards Watch is a yearly competition called the Gold Rush Contest. And that begins with the very first Critics Awards. So you make your predictions and you get points uh, attached to your wins and and nominations. And that goes through the whole season. So of, you know, L.A. and New York and NBR, Golden Globes, BFCA. I mean, just all all kinds of things in in text and all of that. And then it culminates in in the Oscars, both in the nominations and then the, the winner picks. So based on uh, after the Oscars, uh, whoever has, uh, I look at the, about the top 20 uh, uh, places in that. And from that, I choose nine people because I would include myself, even though I'm often very terrible at it, I fully admit. Um, <laughs> but, you know, someone's got to run this shit. Um, so I, I base, I base uh, a group of 10 people uh, that have done well throughout the whole season, uh, but also that are going to be able to do things like, you know, participate in the updated uh, predictions that we do in podcasts uh, and whose, you know, personalities that we're going to be able to all either work together with or, you know, have the right kind of conflict with. Because that's part of it, too. If everyone's, you know, the get-along gang and has the same opinion, yeah. it, it's, it starts to get a little a little tired, and then you're in a bubble that you can't really get out of. Right. So that is how I form the Gold Rush Gang. And th- so throughout the season, and it starts immediately after the, the last Oscars. So like our first, uh, our first um, group of predictions 
was immediately after it was in March, right after the after the Oscars, um, and you can check that out on on awardswatch.com. And the way to be a part of that is joining the forums and doing the predictions, like I said, throughout the season and doing really well at it. Um, the better the you I get, re- the higher you rise, I think, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And there's people that have been in like the top five since the beginning. I think it's been seven years that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically so they're good they're predictors. They're really, really good. <laughs> yeah, they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I always I feel good about our predictions. A lot of the time we've been able to get the five best actress nominations by summertime. But wow. this year has been really difficult. It's so hard, isn't it? I mean, there's like, so let's. What are the let's, gold rush predi- let's, yeah, go right in the best picture. What are the gold rush predictions right now for best picture? From from the top in order: Joy, Spotlight, Carol, Steve Jobs, The Revenant, Inside Out, Bridge of Spies, Beasts of No Nation, uh, The Hateful Eight, and then in tenth place, it's a tie of Room and The Danish Girl. So and, the, and those Sasha once, doesn't once you, like that. Sasha doesn't like that. I heard her go, mm. Well, once you get down to like, <laughs> the, the lower... Jeff and I are like this top. old retired couple. No, it's like, what are you saying over there? No, right? um, the thing is... Once you get to the I lower half... I heard her say it. I heard her say it. No, But here's my problem. I, I, I'm stuck on Inside Out because I don't... I have a really hard... I'm just mentally blocked with this idea that for five slots for best picture that there's going to be enough academy voters steak eater types who are going to say not a chance 300 have to pick it for their number one film number one film of the year and then after that a whole bunch more have to put it as on their ballots as one of the top five films of the year i'm not saying it's impossible it just it doesn't fit in my brain and people keep writing me and saying why aren't you predicting Inside Out? Why aren't you predicting Inside Out? And it's just so that 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 was my immediate in, uh, response to what you read. Otherwise, my fingers are so crossed for Beasts of No Nation. I would love it if it gets in. I'm starting to have my doubts. Me too. So. Well, and I'll, I'll and I'll tell you about uh, Inside Out right now. I am the only one of the ten uh, in the Goldrush gang who is not predicting it. Oh, okay. The only one because I feel the same way. And I actually just rewatched it last night to kind of get my head around it. And I, I like the movie even more the second time, <laughs> but I'm I'm I I'm not I can't see it. I Although can't it either. Would be super hilarious to have three Best Picture nominees with a lead female all named Joy. Oh my God! Is that what this hook is? Is that the? No, but it's kind of funny, isn't it? Okay. Well, who's right. the other it's, Joy? There's Joy, and then there's. Well, Room the her name in that is referred to by Joan Allen as Joy, oh. even though she's only called Ma on. Uh, IMDb. God, that is funny. That oh, that's is funny. funny. So that's three joys. That's kind of great. It's it is cool. great, but my my feeling is that they won't. That they're not that. Go- that that they aren't that way. They're not going to vote that way. They they don't like those kind of movies. They like movies that are, you know. I mean, yes. I hope you're right, Eric, and I hope it changes. And my fingers are crossed that it will. I don't think that the movie that finally breaks the animated pattern is going to be a movie about the inner world of a girl. I just, I, I mean, it sounds cynical and horrible, but I'm just not that hopeful. I don't think that they would do that. I think if it was going to be any movie, it would have been Wally or something like that. You know, I don't, uh, I know people it's, will say, oh, Beauty and the Beast was about a girl, but Beauty and the Beast came out when they didn't have an animated category. So now that they have an Yeah, no, it's, it's totally, it's totally different. Well, so, I think that's respect the animated category and stop saying this every year that a certain exceptional 
animated film, and, uh, and there's no question that a lot of people believe that Inside Out, Inside Out was quite, uh, quite, quite noteworthy and quite exceptional. Why does it have to be? Oh, it's so good. Let's free it from that uh, somewhat right. second-tier uh, category. Exactly, because people are going to think it has its own category. I don't need to sacrifice one of my spots for a movie mm -hmm. that has its own yeah. category. You know. Yeah, same, the same thing's happening with Son of Saul. It's like, yes, of course right. it's going to get into foreign, but can get into Best Picture, too. Because right. now it's obviously Sony Pictures Classics number one. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. a good one. I mean, I, I, I just saw it this week. I saw that in B. Oh, I was in a great mood after that. <laughs> so what is your feeling about Beast of No Nation and what's your feeling about Son of Saul in terms of best picture? Oh, my God. I don't have Son of Saul getting in. I think it is an amazing film, and I love it. I think the perspective in the POV, though, is so non-traditionalist for a Holocaust movie that it's they're not going to go for it. Precisely why it stands out as a Holocaust movie. And absolutely, absolutely. I... I that's what I. That's, that's why I like it. The thing that's genius level about it is why it's not going to get in. What you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes. Maybe, I, I, but I, maybe it will get in. Remember, Amor got in. Amor yeah. was yeah. weird, and then that that True. was a foreign and language, that was, and, and that was Sony Pictures number mm, one as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. I think it has a really weirdly good chance, and I think it will bump one of the movies that stars a woman. I'm sorry, but I do. I wish I didn't think that, but. Um, no, I, I I totally agree, and and again, I, I I keep I keep mentioning this in in almost anything that I that I write. When I put a best picture list together, it is about balance and type and passion. And if there are too many that seem kind of similar, I have to look exactly. who's not going to make it. I know mm -hmm. that's what that's one of my problems I'm having with with Room and Brooklyn and Carol, and I mean yep. they're they're very you know very heavily feminine movies and. To me, they're great, but the Academy I know is not going to go for that. Maybe they'll pick one of those, you know, mm -hmm. maybe. But it's it's a tough one. That's a, I can't figure out where Brooklyn sits. I think it's a swoony, totally Academy-friendly movie, but I can't feel figure where it sits with them. I, I have it in eighth, but, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, like this presume. I got, you know, maybe 20 movies that have a shot. And I look at, you know, Bridge of Spies and Brooklyn and Son of Saul that all speak to a similar generation. Right. It's like, what's, but are they all getting in? That seems kind of odd. Right. And then I look at all the, the women's films. I'm like, are they all getting in? That would be kind of odd. Very and then odd. I look, at, I look at The Hateful Eight, The Revenant, uh, and maybe even I would put Steve Jobs in that as this or ill dominated masculine pieces and very stylized and, and yeah you know, auteur uh, sort of driven absolutely know. or even you know mad max to a certain extent right um okay so before we drop this um jeff and i have an ongoing argument about that martian he doesn't think that you think it'll get nominated right jeff but you don't think it has a There's chance no of question winning. it's just too well loved for them to not be nominated i, I accept that but for for anybody to seriously think it deserves or should be the best picture winner is I don't I don't know where their standards are I don't know why they would even like that. So um, <laughs> so where does Martian sit with the Gold Rush Gang? With the Gold Rush Gang, it is down at number fourteen. There you only go. All right, <laughs> that's the appropriate response. Only only two of ten people have it in their top ten. Okay. One of them is me. <laughs> You and I think alike, Eric. <laughs> I even have Ridley Scott getting in. I have this. I have him in the top five. Same here, and I think The Martian has a really good chance. And um, 
uh, you know, I, I really do. Another I think, gold watch award. Because yeah, but we'll say, you know what? I just thought of goldwatch.com, if it wasn't taken, would be the perfect name for Oscar <laughs> site. Yeah, but it would be all about, like, it would be, but how great was that? over 70. That <laughs> I know, it's perfect for the Academy. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> all right, so let's move on to best actor. Um, let's do we best just actor. We best actor. We talked about, uh, we talked about Terrell no, and I was talking about the gold and I, no, everybody, everybody else looks kind of weak now. Didn't the Gold Rush gang, I want to hear the rankings. Yes. I oh, want Eric to read through all the categories, and we'll, we'll try to keep our chattering down to a minimum so we can get through the categories. How about that? Do you want me to go just through the, to the top five? Because I'm probably going to cut one, a lot one, of the... Once it gets past the top three, yeah. do the top the, five. The, the votes are so minimal. Um, all right, so for best actor with the Gold Rush Gang, are Leonardo DiCaprio, Michael Fassbender, Eddie Redmayne. Then there is a precipitous drop in, in total <laughs> votes, uh, and it's Michael Caine and Ian McKellen. Okay, and Johnny Depp's just not even a. He's he has a couple of votes, but Matt Damon has I, more than him. I really okay. think that the whole um, the Johnny Depp thing is, is pretty much over. Oh, oh I I think it is. I'm glad that it is. I thought all of the, uh, I I don't know. I don't know what was going on with all of the Johnny Depp and even Joel Edgerton talk. I just thought it was absurd. Yep. Like absolutely absurd. All right, I'm going to register my um, opposition to that, and I, I'm putting my faith in Warner Brothers to get that nomination and his popularity within the industry. I think he will be nominated. Yes. It's, it's the makeup is too dumb. Johnny Depp won Best Actor from the SAG for Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> that's how popular. Yeah, he but is. that's different. All right, yeah. we'll see. But I think I'm can't, right. You can't have uh, uh, overly fake makeup be the dominant. It, that's dominant true. Character. That was true of the the bubble and the chattering class. And you guys might turn out to be right, but I, I've been listening to people out on the street who aren't in the bubble, and they not only loved Black Mass but thought he was fantastic. People who are usually really critical, and they're more they're more of the Academy type of sensibility. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we're not going to get too bogged down. Okay, now let's move on to actress. What does Gold right. Rush Gang say? Who is number one? It's got to be. Num Number one is Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, Then okay. Kate Blanchett and Carol. Then Brie Larson. Kate Blanchett, Carol, youth, I think. You have to, you have to even if it's not truth. stated. You truth. You have to give her, you know, her truth. She, she's on the list, but nobody has a vote for right. her getting in. Uh, okay, so Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett and Carol, Brie Larson, uh, Saoirse Ronan, and Charlotte Rampling. Ah, Charlotte Rampling, but, okay. But again, that top four is, is relatively close. Mm -hmm. Once it gets to the amount of votes, and then Carrie Mulligan and Lily Tomlin are bring up the rear there, yeah, just barely. That. And Carrie Mulligan can be forgiven, obviously, because she was out of the picture in terms of like making appearances until very recently. So maybe she might bump up a little bit. I mean, I, what I'm disappointed about in particular is that despite myself and, and, and Sasha and our friend Roger Durling and others who were so surprised at how uh, moving and expertly done suffragette is it just doesn't seem to have caught on mm -mm. with the community at large. Worse it's, than it, that, no, it's, it's absolutely. Been Before it screened, we had it very high, and Sarah Gavron was in uh, the top five of director, uh, and it's it looked like you know the type of movie that could do extremely well, and then it it screened. The reviews were good, but the passion was like non-existent. There was something just missing from it. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. It could totally come back, but 
there's some there's it just feels like there's something missing and there's already just weird dumb controversy with that right the controversy is going to hurt what little buzz it had already i just feel like the the bloom is off the rose on that it's not even worth going into jeff because you're just going to dismiss it so let's not even bring it up it's not even worth talking about i don't think either i think it's a big waste. i I I think you're probably right so let's move on to to the briefly mention to me what the controversy the t-shirts jeff the stupid t-shirts remember the dumb t-shirts oh that stupid thing okay yes yes okay so supporting categories yeah all right supporting actor this is oh boy this category is messy um all right so we have in order uh robert de niro and joy it just hold on where did he get up to get to the top. Why? He's he's been him and Idris Elba have been number one and two back and forth. Idris, since, Idris. since summer. <laughs> Idris, because yeah. Nero so. was was blown off for silver linings or something. What are we talking about here? Why is he up that male? High? He has he has the biggest role in in Joy, apart from her from Jennifer. Okay. God, that's yes, so interesting. See, that's the kind of intel that's really valuable from one of those test screenings. That's just fabulous news. I mean, yeah. that's something you would not know unless you saw the movie, you know? Yeah, you can, you can, I mean, you can read the screenplay too, but we don't really know how much has changed between, you know, Annie Mumolo's and, and David Russell's well, other than the fact that it's not Joy Mangano anymore and it has all of these other weird elements in it. And he <laughs> took off her name, so it's got to be like, yeah, yeah, she only has a story by now because it's so completely different. Right. So, um, okay, so right after those two is Michael Keaton, uh, then Mark Ruffalo, and Tom Hardy in The Revenant. See, so, uh, R- Ruffalo and Keaton are, are good choices, but don't they cancel it? You know, what, you have to you know, pretty much settle on one, right? I don't think so because Ruffalo has the, the more Oscar Beatty role. Uh, but Keaton has the afterglow effect. Okay, but what about um, Corral? Oh, he's going in lead. Oh, shit. Potentially, yeah. See, if he was in supporting, he would be like the Ruffalo character um, in Spotlight. He would be like uh, the the standout, the emotional standout, and he would have a really good chance of of winning in that category. Um, As I was writing yesterday, I believe that Paramount people don't care really about the win. They just want the best actor thing out there because that brings an association in people's mind. This is something I need to see. He's a best actor. Supporting doesn't seem to mean as much. Right. And they're really interested about making money between the time it opens in early December that's and, true. what, February? So. You're right. Good point. Yeah. Okay. And it's, I mean, it's that, 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 that's something like The Big Short is the kind of movie that scares me this season because it's, it's exactly the male-dominated yeah. bro movie that could bump out that's right. a, a female-led movie. Just for the fact that let's it's... just Eric, let's just figure it out right now. It's only going to be joy, and there's not going to be any. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah, I'm going to pretend that nothing else even exists. <laughs> no, I mean what I mean is there's not going to be any other film starring a woman except Joy. Is my prediction that by the end, even with all these movies, Suffragette will will Carol will not make it. Brooklyn won't make it. You don't think Carol's going to be? No, a... I think Carol's in. Okay, all right. I'm just I, saying that yeah. I have this weird weird feeling that. As you're saying, like the big short and, you know, all these other movies are going to come in and take those spots. We'll see. I'm definitely nervous about it for sure. But I I wish they would just, instead of do this, like, it could be five to ten, just make it ten or make it five. Make it ten or make it five, yes. Carol isn't just a a beautiful love story. It isn't just a a woman's thing. 
but it's also a wonderful yesteryear film that films. It looks and feels like it was shot in 1950s. I know, but as a major Todd Haynes fanatic, I can tell you they don't like his movies. They don't. They they snub him every time. I thought I'm Not There was one of the greatest films I've ever seen in my life. They couldn't even. I think Kate Blanchett got a nomination, and that yeah, was it. Yeah, she did. I mean, they ignored see, I, him. I'm kind of I'm kind of coming at this with with the eyes that. That the Academy takes a long time to warm up to, you know, these auteur directors that are critically loved. They it happened with the Cohen brothers. Uh, it happened with Darren Aronofsky. It happened with Paul Thomas Anderson, where it took a long time mm. to, for them to really break through. And I really think that this is the movie that's going to do it for him. I honestly do. I hope so. I really do hope so. We'll see. Because that's that's what I've seen happen, and I just feel like he's kind of in the same group, you know. Yeah. Where, does, where does my favorite Paul Dano rank in the best supporting? In your... He doesn't. That's not fair at all. That's wrong. I, you know. Wait, who? I'm sorry, who? Paul Dano. Paul Dano in in Love and Mercy. Oh. I know that there are a lot of pundits that that have him in, and some have Elizabeth Banks too, but we we're not there. But there, people haven't seen it. They're just lazy. They, you know, uh, Brent- he's amazing in it. I have no. So I mean, are me and Jeff I'm like the only his- two on the whole um, uh, love and mercy thing? It's no, because I, I think, I think like Ann Thompson is, but you know that's slightly different because of how she does her predictions. But uh, I think a lot of people have Paul Dano in. Hmm. And I, I don't have any qualms about that. It's a great performance. But I, I think supporting actor is really, really busy. Yeah, I that's know, not right? fair to say. It really, it just isn't. Uh, he's he. It, it is. It could be. Uh, you could call it a lead. I think it's. Um, it's one of the most devastating and, and on target. Uh, you know, recreations. Well, remember uh, the Gold Rush gang. They just want to be right. They don't. They're not like invested in it. So they're. He's yeah, these just aren't. Giving these aren't passion the, votes based on. Dispassionate voting is not uh, interesting to me. I don't. I, don't, I, I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> on target, but also passionate. It's not interesting to go, oh, well, standing back here. I think it's interesting to see what the objective take is. I do. I think it's interesting. And, and you know, there's a part of me that it, that thinks no that Eric's fear. right about that, that they're right about that. There's a horrible acknowledgement that it's a, there's a really good chance that Love and Mercy, which they're trying really hard to get nominated, will not get anything. I think Elizabeth Banks will get in, though. I do, because of her directing... Oh. Because, because of her, she made you know, I, with, with Pitch Perfect too. Everybody's talking about her. She's everywhere this year. She's really um, an up and comer, and she's got a lot of buzz on her. So I think she'll, and she's great in the movie. So. Yeah, she is, and I. Yeah, again, I don't, the dispassionate gold rushers uh, come down and I, about Mark Rylance. Do they have any feeling for him? Yeah, Mark Rylance is actually right under uh, Tom Hardy in sixth place. I think you have, dump, you have to dump. You have to dump Michael Keaton. I'm sorry to say, he's not going to get in. For well, that. Tom Hardy has dropped from from pretty high rankings, uh, and he's down at number five, and he might be gone pretty soon. This is Tom Hardy for Mad Max, of course, right? No, Revenant. no, for the Revenant. He's supposed to be really good in the Revenant. Oh, oh, oh okay. Sorry. Even though people are saying it's like um, he's right. doing, um, who are they saying that he sounds like? Some, oh, Tom Berenger, is it? <laughs> Oh goodness! 
<laughs> but I think that um, I what do does think Tom that even sound like. What I think Mark Rylance like? is is in because of Wolf Hall, and that's a total Academy type person. We'll sit home and watch Wolf Hall, and they'll love that. They're also going to love Bridge of Spies. Uh, maybe. I think we used to make a whole lot about the British contingent of the Academy, and I put no, that no, the, in, the in regular quotes. Right. And guys, it's there, but it doesn't always it doesn't always work out. Yeah, what about, but he's stronger than Keaton, though. Pure what about, true, um, true. But that's, yeah. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that it gets in. I mean, the Keaton thing is very, like I said, it's, it feels like the perfect Afterglow nomination that happens a lot. It mm. does, except for I think that with Spotlight, like a lot of these movies we're talking about, it's it's uh, it's ensemble work, and they're only going to pick the standout, like the, um, uh, you know, Mark Wahlberg in The Departed kind of thing. There were great performances in that movie, but he was really the one that they that they glommed onto. They're they're not always going to pick two from the same movie unless they're really extraordinary performances and. As good as Keaton is, I don't feel like he's any better than um, than Lee Schreiber or. Uh, I love Lee Schreiber in that film. Lee Schreiber or, or Stanley Tucci or you know one. Stanley Tucci's great in it too. And there's a lot of. Really I thought all I thought all of the guys were better than Michael Keaton. So honestly. you can't Michael Keaton can't. But I know what you mean because it's Afterglow. That's that's the Eddie Redmayne thing. That's why Eddie Redmayne's going to get in. Otherwise, he'd be out probably. But he's got the afterglow from winning last year, so they're going to want to put him. I thought I found his performance to be um, there to be kind of a a barrier between the Lily character coming out and the the character that he played at the beginning. You know, when mm-hmm. when he's Lily, when he has to access Lily and become Lily, there's he has to keep there. He has to keep that barrier there because he does have to show that he was repressing. Mm-hmm that identity and that the identity was coming out. And if the whole movie had just been him as Lily, I think it would have been an extraordinary performance. But having to balance the, the two different identities and the blockage, I think it creates a kind of a cold, ultimately a kind of a cold performance. That, what about uh, Benicio Del Toro, the ultimate existential badass in Sicario? Well, yeah. probably the best thing he's done since Traffic. Does anybody he, he, was, he was top five uh, with the Gold Rush Game for most of all spring and summer and now he's like at number 10. That's so weird. I don't get the Sicario thing. Like I can't wrap my mind around it because Jeff and I both saw it in Cannes and um, we couldn't hear it, any of the dialogue and what I could hear. I w- we were both mm. reading French subtitles and trying to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> then I saw it at the uh, CAA screening room with perfect sound and it's a whole different thing and I, it really kicked up in my, I don't, I don't love it. But it was a much more engaging song. Oh, good. Okay. Because a lot of people really seem to like it. I know director Rod Lurie said it was his favorite movie of the year. Um, but And he also saw the big short, and he said, trust me, it's going to be a big Oscar player. So. All right. Well, this, I think that's what I'd like to ask you guys about of, is in this category some of, the, some of the unseen things that might be a big deal like the guys from The Big Short or yeah. Kurt Russell or Sam Jackson in The Hateful Eight, depending on if they go supporting or lead, or Sylvester Stallone in Creed. That, that would be an interesting thing. Absolutely. I'm, Stallone is, would be interesting if that There's happened. so many question marks left. You know, we don't there even is. know. What about concussion? Like, what's that going to be? It, you know? it, exactly. That, that's, that's a part of the best actor conversation for sure. Maybe, right? It doesn't for, for, seem like Well, it. for some people, not for me, but... It kind of, our Oscar years are almost always like this. Like, we, we do wait till the end of the year to see everything, and it almost always turns out that the beginning of the season, the stuff we're talking about right now are the things that get in, because everything has to be done so early. Once we hit the end of November, SAG voters are starting, 
mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of time to really gain a consensus around the new the later breaking movies and once you know and once you get a SAG nomination then that can build to an Oscar nomination you know well and that's that's honestly the reason why a December movie has not won best picture since million dollar baby right and why it's so risky to have joy as winning because it's a December movie right. there isn't enough time there is no building support and you know over the longest period of time there weren't that many you know critics awards and golden globes and that kind of thing there were a few of those things to get you to you know the oscars and now there's like there's an awards banquet of, or of some sort almost every week right. for two months straight and that's so if you how keep you build, hearing the same names, right. that's the name you're going to hear. Exactly. And that's it just builds and builds and builds from there, and you have to get in there early. Um, the, and, and, and the later you have to break in, the more divided up the, the thinking is. The consensus votings of the thousands of people who have to, there's four, 14,000 DGA members, 100,000 mm-hmm. SAG members for voting for the winners, not the nominees. And there's mm-hmm. like 4,500 Producers Guild members. I mean, thousands of people, you know, coalescing around a few names. And those names, like you say, are going to be the ones they keep hearing over and over again, as opposed to, oh, I, I saw that movie. That was really good. That, you know, character mm-hmm. was really good in it. It doesn't get built that way. It gets built by people hearing and getting on the side of the of the winners. So um, it, it does. And then we have the really fun things <laughs> where you know, an actor or an actress hits every precursor and then misses on the Oscar and, you know, somebody really exciting gets in. Right. Uh, that, and- that's, that's happening quite a bit too. So we've, we've really started looking at that as, as something that could potentially happen every year. Right. Like where a, um- a former winner or former nominee hits, you know, BAFTA, SAG, Golden Globe, BFSA, everything that they can and then misses out right at the end. And that is often to a December release that gets massive amounts of passion votes, like immediately. Or it's the critics rallying around, like they did with Marianne Cotillard for mm-hmm. um, uh, whatever it was that movie she got nominated for. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like if there's if there is a rallying support and people hear about it, and it becomes a story. People will take sides and they will vote. Absolutely, but, um, but predicting that is always hard. It's always hard to. Oh, know. it's 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 extremely hard. I mean, yeah. you've got uh, like when uh, Tom Hanks missed and Tilda Swinton and uh, Emma Thompson. Right. where these are former winners. How in the world did they miss out? Right. So you it, being able to call that is. Well, I don't you, know you, if it's you can call if it, it makes you an expert. It's because it's so risky. You call it by listening to what people are saying and and not being in like you say that group think bubble. Because with Saving Mr. Banks, I was one of the people I think caught off guard by its snub. But I knew I could read the writing on the walls. There were a lot. There was a lot of controversy and stupid controversy. Like it doesn't even matter what it is half the time. Mm-hmm. It's just if it's there. What was the controversy on on Saving Mr. Banks? Meryl oh, Streep's speech about Disney that she gave in New York or what do you mean? No, I think it was about um, uh, the dishonesty in the portrayal of the character who was actually lesbian, I believe. And oh, yeah, and, and it was also just a much, you know, careful whitewashed version of yeah, Walt Disney because Disney exactly. had to approve it. So And they started to come out with, you know, the real Disney this, the real Disney that, and sooner or later it just left a bad taste in people's mouths and that's enough to bump a contender. It's just that if you're if you're willing to accept it, 
you know, and I wasn't willing to accept it with Gone Girl. There wasn't a controversy, but people definitely did not like that movie, and I was definitely not going to accept it. But if you're, you're willing to let go of your own personal darlings, and you'll then you can be a better predictor. It's just that's for me the, always been the hardest thing to do. I remember vividly uh, this whole thing about Walt Disney's smoking. Uh, this is a man mm -hmm. who smoked maybe 750 million cigarettes in his entire lifetime. The movie allowed one shot. One shot of him stubbing a cigarette out in his office. Right. That, <laughs> so that yep. was uh, definitely. So can we, can we do best supporting actress? Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, oh, this is a really juicy category. Alicia Vikander has to be in there, of course, right? Oh yeah, very much so. Um, so what we have in in order in the top three are, are all very close. Uh, is uh, Rooney Mara and Carol, Kate Winslet and Steve Jobs. Alicia Vikander in The Danish Girl, Jennifer Jason Lee in The Hateful Eight, mm. and Diane Ladd in Joy. Oh my God! This, this is silly. That's not, <laughs> I don't. I don't really... <laughs> That's um, listen. Uh, love, yeah, that's I interesting. I, you know what? I love Diane Ladd, and I would love to see her get in. Um, here's here's the thing with Diane Ladd, and and what you know our reasoning behind it, and and, and all that. Um, we, we know she's a pretty shrewd campaigner. Her, her grassroots campaign for her nomination in Wild of Heart is pretty infamous, and it was incredible. <laughs> um, also, this family will campaign the shit out of themselves for each other. Right. Laura, Laura Dern was everywhere, everywhere for her father. Right. And that, to me, was enough to get her in last year. So... <laughs> I, I just I we we think that it's going to be Bruce Dern, Laura Dern, Diane Ladd, one, two, three. Yeah. Good night. I like that. That's a <laughs> what really good know? narrative. I like what it. Who does she play in the movie? Uh, the mother, right? That's. I I, uh, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to. I ha, I ended up with a little bit of spoilery information that I don't want to. Oh, dispel. me and Jeff don't care about spoilers. Well, yeah, but anybody that's married in this, or are they separate? No, Isabella Rossellini and De Niro are uh, the mother and father. Okay, okay. And Rossellini actually has oh, a so Diane, juicier part. Uh huh. Diane Ladd's the real mother, and yeah, Diane Ladd might have more impact though. Because she's because the bio she has, mom. She's a bio mom. She, she has a better right. ending, so it's uh, yeah. But we also even have Elizabeth Rome getting in there, possibly. We have one person who has her. Um, Saoirse huh. Rowan, you mean? No, no. Elizabeth Rome in Joy. Hottie, hottie oh, Elizabeth oh, Rome. Sorry, I missed her. <laughs> Super hottie that. Elizabeth <laughs> Rome. Um, yeah. So, okay, so that's but interesting. She, but she's not going to have enough screen time and probably won't make too much of an impact. Why are they ignoring, uh, do you believe, I, mean, I don't even know why I'm, I don't respect these people, but why, why are they ignoring uh, you uh, and Jane Fonda? <laughs> They're not. Jane Fonda is actually in sixth place, right underneath uh, Diane Ladd. Did you have Just, Rooney Mara in there? Yeah, she's number one. She's number one, Rooney Mara. She's okay, she's never not been number one since the first poll. Excellent. Okay. Uh, um, all right. That's interesting. We'll see. I have, guess I should put Diane Ladd down. I hadn't been thinking about. It. What about Isabella Rossellini? Not not. Right now, she doesn't have any votes. She's on the list, but she doesn't have a, a vote. Rachel McAdams does. Uh, um. So and then we're and we're obviously looking at you know Joan Allen in Room, but even you know Laura Linney in Mr. Holmes because if Ian McKellen is somehow able to get in, that's not even that's that's not even a fantasy. <laughs> that, 
That was half a basic. <laughs> She's not. Have you seen Mr. Holmes? Yes. It's not. It's, it's basically you can't a dream about that. It's a sister piece to Gods and Monsters. She could absolutely get in. She's a former multi-nominee. She got in with zero precursors with the Savages. Mm. It's absolutely possible for her, but it's only possible if Ian McKellen gets in. I think. Although she was able to get in Kinsey when Liam uh, Neeson didn't, so I don't ever want to underestimate. But she's like not her. campaigning at all this year, though. At no, all. No, only Ian McKellen is. Yeah. Um, okay, so director, my favorite category. Let's hear it. Ooh, Wait, where do you have where do these brainiacs have Elizabeth Banks? <laughs> she's she's not even on the list. See? Oh, okay. that's list. ridiculous. She's right. got to be on the list. She's she's hotter than hot that's, right now. She's like I I will add her third. to it. But she was previously on it. But I mean, as each month goes by, we start reducing, you know, the the fluff. I so think that we she's get... in. I think I've got that little feeling. I'll, I'll I'll put her on the list so that we don't look like total idiots in case she gets in. After that thing that David Thompson wrote about her, you can see the kind of effect she has on 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 men, especially. But uh, but anybody watching that movie, she's really, she really pops in that. She's another no, rescuer character, you know. She's but, very but, very good. Very affecting. She has a classic supporting uh, actress character. I, there's yeah. no, there's no denying that. But more so, than that, it's it's about Elizabeth Banks. It's about that surprising box office turn and her directing. And I just think that it's she's and she's out there. She's supported. She was one of the sponsors on the Beast of um, Beast of No Nation screening. And, true. And so I think yeah. that she's yeah. She could she, she could be extremely shrewd by campaigning by not campaigning for herself. She was up at the Jane Fonda tribute giving out. Yeah. Um, so. That's a really that's a really clever way to campaign. And people are getting to know everywhere, her everywhere, but not talking about yourself. She's really and she's very ambitious and she's she's definitely mm -hmm. campaigning hard for this. And I think that that does matter. It does make a difference. Um, okay. I, I think if she can start pulling in. You know, critics mentions. I then that that will absolutely change yeah. things for her yeah. in, in 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 our esteem. I need to add it uh, before we jump on the directors that I believe that as good as Kate Winslet almost always is, her part, which is basically the conscience, the the woman who is trying to goad Steve Jobs into being more of a human being, but it's uh, she hammers and harangues and just jabs at him all through the film, and that and the tone of it is pretty much stays on that note. And after, like, the second act, even third act, certainly, I got a little tired of the whole thing. You know, did these you, people... Did you, get, did you get tired of it, though, as, as a viewer watching a movie or as, like, seeing a woman nag a man? <laughs> well, I, because, think, no, I, mean, but I completely... She's clearly right, and he, she's saying things that he should listen to, and he doesn't until the very okay. end, you know? That's so just, not, no, it's not the nagging. She's, but it's the tone of it. It just doesn't quit. And it's the same argument. You know, will you please acknowledge your daughter? No. Well, I don't think so. You know, 94%, what is that? You know, over and over and over again. And then, uh, you know, uh, Seth Rogen comes in, all three acts. Will you please acknowledge the guys who did the work on <laughs> Over and over and over Jeff again. Jeff hates the Apple II thing in that. Um, I think that, that she's, a, she's a gimme. Kate Winslet's a gimme in that. It's just, it's everybody loves Steve Jobs, the kind of voters that are going to vote. They love the movie. And and they're going to pick, it's going to get every nomination, and she'll just get swept along in it. I don't think she's extraordinary, but she's good, and she's Kate Winslet, and that's that. Universal, since they made like $800 billion this year at the box office, should send all of their screeners on iPads to everybody. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's they, could yeah. they could win with that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I happen to really love Steve Jobs the second time I saw it. The first time I saw it, I have to admit, I just was like irritated, but because uh, I was half falling asleep, I have because I was tired and there was a Q&A beforehand, it was Telluride, but the second time I saw it, it, really, it all really clicked into place, and I thought, wow, that is a good... And I saw the movie that everybody had been praising. Um, okay, so best director, please tell me Kerry Fukunaga has a shot. Okay, um, yes and no. And are you, Oh, God, you guys are going to hate some of these, especially you guys. Um, <laughs> okay, but what, what I'll say is because... If you say the word Quentin Tarantino, I'm going to... Mm, no, but not 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 in the same breath as others, um, because one of the, I mean one of the important things in in you know reading off the rankings of these is is checking out uh, what the actual total points are, because we we establish you know for all of these you know one two three four five ranking, mm -hmm. and then each of those is worth you know points. A ranking of number one is worth five points, and so on. Mm -hmm. So it's about a collection of points that gets to this ranking. So like in director, the top four all have really, really good amount of total points. When you get to all of the rest, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, it's like a little spattering of a few votes here and there. So the difference between like fourth place and fifth place is huge with us, right, huge. Right. Um, so, so what are you I, saying? So, so I'm saying I probably should have read total points, but I'm also saying go to awardswatch.com and check it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'll do it for this. I'll do it for director to give you the, an, uh, an understanding of how, how big of a difference we're talking about. Okay. Uh, so first place is uh, David Russell and Joy, and it's 47 points. And that's out of a total of 50 points. Because if everybody ranked a single thing at number one, that would give it a perfect score in 50 points. Mm. Um, and Guru's a Gold does the same kind of thing. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a total points that gives you a ranking. Mm. Um, then there's Thomas McCarthy uh, for Spotlight, who has 29 points, who is tied with Todd Haynes, also 29 points. Then Alejandro G. Nuritu with 22 points. Mm -hmm. And then from then, it's a really big drop, and it is uh, Kerry Fukunaga, but it's nine points. And then at that point, it's Laszlo Nems, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Steven Spielberg, Danny Boyle, Ridley Scott. Mm -hmm. uh, and these are like one votes and two votes and, and things like that. Those so are all good choices. That's, I mean, I think that's going to be the, the pile of directors unless we're missing somebody. But um, Oh, no, there's no way it's not going to be them. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty obvious. But it's just a, a matter of what, what they go for. Um, I know that we have Steve Jobs pretty high in picture and, you know, actor and screenplay and director and all of these things. But then we have it really have Danny Boyle really low in director, which right. could be a huge mistake. Because it's not his movie. It's Aaron yeah. Sorkin's movie, and that's pretty obvious. I think if they, yeah, it's look, Danny Boyle's in the last ten minutes, and Aaron Sorkin's up until. Problem that. with Danny Boyle is he's so likable and he's so popular that his likability alone might get him that nomination. Um, very, very possible. Yeah, the Spielberg thing is really that's throwing a tough one. Everybody off. I can't right even. I, and I mean, you know me. I'm a huge fan, but that's a hard one for me to figure out. Is I think I feel like it's sort of tipping right now like is it going to go up is it going to go down i feel like it's right in the middle um of it'll yes it'll catch the buzz and yes it'll go no it won't catch the buzz and it'll kind of maybe get a best picture nomination. what are you talking about spielberg spielberg oh god 
I mean, it's, called that a it's, great it's, film yesterday, Sasha. You, you really have to explain that one. You uh, that great film, great uh, film, not a good one, not a satisfying one. I'll accept that, but you can't call that a great film. I thought it was a great film. I did. I, but I, I, I recognized that I was alone in that at that day of the screening when I walked out. I was just happy to see that a few other people agreed with me. That's all. Like, Manuela Dargis and a couple of people that wrote in said yeah, that. Yeah, she gave, she, it's a, it's a, she gave it a 100, or it ended mm -hmm. up as a 100 uh, on Metacritic from her. Yeah, it is a really, she I mean. She loved the shit out of it. I did, too. I have to admit, I thought that last shot is so stirring. It, it. The whole movie, I enjoyed it all the way through because you know why, Jeff? I'll tell you something. As an old lady, I'm 50 years old now. I have a, a constantly hungry brain. I was never really properly educated, and so I'm always trying to educate myself constantly in life, and I'm interested in things. And so very few movies engage my brain, hardly any of them. And if they engage my brain and I'm curious and I'm following the story and I'm learning something, I'm going to end up calling that a great movie. And there aren't many of those. You can count them on one hand. Most of them are you watch them, you get all the information, and you walk out. Okay, that was fine. But very well, few of them actually challenge my brain intellectually and, and stimulate it. And, and that's one of them, one of the films I saw Speaking about educating year. yourself and being stimulated, which uh, I think it's lovely of you to, to, to declare that you're, that's, that's a, one of the driving forces in your life because that's the mark of a first-rate intelligent person. But, uh, but, but, <laughs> but uh, here comes the pile of shit. <laughs> but here's the butt. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, if you read, uh, Michael Straka made me want to buy uh, the book that uh, that, um, that Tom Hanks's character, um, um, I'm just blanked on it, uh, wrote about it. He said it was much more interesting, much more realistic, much more believable. Yeah, and I'd probably like the book too, but you know what? I'm, I've had it with critics, honestly, most of them. I mean, they're too snobby. Um, they're too, like, you know, insular. Please satisfy me in my little world. It really, it's just been getting me down a lot lately. Some of them I think I can read them and I think, yeah, that's a, a worthwhile review, but most of them no. And so, you know, I don't need him to tell me what to think about that movie. I, no, I actually really there, like it. There's a little book. anecdote that was in the book about how his, uh, Tom Hanks' uh, family would make jokes around the dinner table as they were eating their meatloaf and string beans about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer making fun of the of the guy he was defending, you know? That's the kind of, I wouldn't have missed that element at all if I had made that film. Spielberg takes stuff out that's interesting, and he puts the stuff in that drives him. I don't and think it's oh, Spielberg. Also, what about the Coen brothers? They're the ones screenplay. that, yeah, Michael. It's not based on that book. Matt Sharman, it's an original screenplay, Matt Sharman. Yeah. So if he wrote that it's an adaptation, he got that really wrong. No, it's not an adaptation. I know. If that if that film comment guy said it's based on the book, then he's no, wrong. No, he said he read the book and he found What the book? Or it, now you want me to go to Amazon. I'm just no, saying that's, that it's... That's the thing. The screenplay is not an adaptation. It is an original screenplay. And anyway, which is if it's not... happening in the, a lot this year. Exactly. I think it's is it called Strangers on a Bridge. It's a, it's the, the book written by, the, by Tom Hanks' character uh, who was... And when all three of us are blanking out as far as... I know, and I used to have this... Well, like, all right, I'm right. saying is that no. even if it was in the book, it wouldn't have been Spielberg's choice to take it out. It would have been the Coen brothers and Charmin's yes. idea to take it out. So That's that's why the Coen brothers were brought on, so that they could turn it into yes. an original story. And take stuff out and put stuff in. And what he was going for, I think, wasn't to, to actually tell that story, but, but to tell something bigger about American culture and American society. And I think he achieved that in a really beautiful way. Very few directors make why movies... Why is it beautiful to see people quickly dismiss it's Tom beautiful Hanks. to see somebody like spielberg get behind a camera with with that cinematographer and set up those shots he's just a pro he works with pros 
And, you know, compare that to so many of the movies you see where they're sloppy or they're generic shot setups. I mean, there are very few of them who are director-directors, like Todd Haynes is Kaminsky, one. the cinematographer, is his own kind of generic. He applies the same grayish, bluish, It was one of the most memorable films I saw this year just in terms of visual excellence. And, and Carol is another one. Todd Haynes, he's a total pro. He just, every shot is a masterpiece. It's just beautiful to look at, you know. Carrie Fukunaga is another one, you know, and probably the Son of Saul guy, but I haven't seen that movie yet. So, but yeah, it's it it is. But you you actually touched on something, Sasha, that made me mention that the the final shot of Bridge of Spies is has you know a lot of staying power for you, and mm-hmm. I am seeing that with a lot of movies this year that the final shot in like Carol in forty five years has so much impact and. I wonder if that is not such a super, super intelligent way to edit and direct your film so that that last shot has the, the staying power that it needs. I like that. I think someone Wait should a make a montage and just include all the last shots from this year. Just one long uh, video Because they're montage. really good ones this Can year. We... But, um, but the last shot of 45 years is just swoon. What an incredible... Oh, God. It's, oh it's everything. God. That is like, wow. That is one of the most powerful bits of cinema that what happened this year was just that last shot and it's unexpected and it just knocks you right down god it's incredible isn't it yeah Um, and that's that i mean that means a lot that means a lot when you are watching that at home as a voter and you turn off your you know dvd player or whatever you're watching it on you're just you're like okay wow Mm -hmm. that's that's really going to stick with me yeah for sure and i I mean, I, I love that. And I, I remember the end of uh, Beasts of No Nation, too. That's another mm-hmm. really good good ending. Um, oh, my God. That, oh, my God. Atta's last scene in that. That's good, yes. He, that should be enough to get him yeah. a nomination, He's and I incredible. want him to get one so badly. I know, I know. Ugh. I think our... But see, I can't, I can't be, I can't, I had him in for a little while, but I had to let go of my, you know, my desire of it. I would I want it to happen and he's campaigning. I know, but I don't think so because I think that I think the Netflix stigma is going to be too strong and they're just I'm I'm worried about it now. I wasn't before, but I'm worried about it now. Yeah, it needed more critical acclaim. It didn't get it. It needed rave reviews. It didn't get it. Yep. The, the New York yeah. Times didn't give it a good review, you know. There were some there were some vicious pretty disgusting Wait, things that I read about it. What Matt Solar Zeitz wrote a really nasty, you know, hated it and said it was So did Kyle Smith, who just I mean, he his headline was that, you know, Beast of No Nation is a movie for racists and it was so fucking disgusting. Yeah, and Whoa. Matt Solar Zeitz was like, you know, this is our No. This shouldn't be our vision of Africa and, you know, God, we're and so I love him. I know, but we're so yeah, come on, really? Are we just gonna start telling like all politically correct stories all the time, you know, just to Matt, satisfy that, the Matt Miller sites will uh, tend to dish out a politically correct view on things. What does he mean it should not be our vision of Africa? What was it, it shouldn't be the white a white person's vision is what it really means because this is about white people trying to look like this is not the story of Africa that should be told, that there are right. happy but, the, I mean, there's oh, multiple stories for Shit. every country and every continent. So. You guys, I'm sorry, but I'm at a hotel, and I have checkout time at noon, so I've got... Fifth, and oh, got let me just remind you that the book that I was trying to remember, it is yeah. written solely by James Donovan. That's the character who Tom Hanks plays in Bridge of Spies. 
And the title of the book is Strangers on a Bridge, colon, The Case of Colonel Abel and Francis Gary Powers. And it was uh, it went into paperback on August 4th, and I'm going to buy it right now online. And, and All right, well, somebody should tell the film comment guy that it's not an adaptation. I'm sure a lot of people I have. to say that he said that. I said that he preferred the detail and the character elements in the book to what the film chose to show us. That's all. Yeah, yeah. And Bridges Spies was originally called St. James Place before they changed that's the right. name and the and the script had changed, too. That's, so. that's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I see your point of view, Jeff. I do. I don't think that you're crazy in how you feel about it. I do. I, I understand that, you know, it, it is one of those movies. It's sort of like The Martian, where if it's your thing, it's your thing. You know what I mean? Um, and that both of those movies are my thing, but I get that they're not. Yours. The reason Steve, Steven Spielberg is a powerful director who people always respect is that he always delivers his view of the world. It's right. always a Spielberg film. It has that stamp. And so he cut out stuff that didn't intrigue him. And well, so same with Scorsese it, and same with Tarantino exactly. and same with Hitchcock and, you know. That's right. Yep. So, um, but by the way, we didn't say anything about, um, we, we totally dodged Hateful Eight, and I'm just thinking that based on what I've heard about it, that... that the there, racial stuff is going to be a problem. The right? racial stuff's going to be a problem. He's, the, mm. the N-word all the way through, spoken right. by white people continually, is going to be a huge problem for Tarantino this year. And he's going to push right back belligerently and say, listen, you're going to have to deal with me. I'm not a... He already has been. Yeah. He has been, but it's going to be a problem for him this year. It's it's not. It, he's not it is because between Django and Unchained in, in and uh, the Hateful Eight, uh, Black Lives Matter happened. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He, he's gonna. He's going to look. He missed that train yeah. in a way, and it's going to. I think it can potentially really hurt him. That's an incredibly astute observation. You're so yeah, right. Yeah, I agree That's... with that. Uh, Black Lives Matter, if they get into it, that will be a problem. Well, they them. will get into it because Ferguson also happened, you know, and... and right. um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, and I mean everything that, yeah, everything in between. Obviously. So it's, it's, there's an anger of... And that's exactly the kind of thing that is a legitimate complaint. You can't just you can't just like shove it aside and say, with Django it was like okay it's about slavery so maybe you can kind of yeah yes they were all racist so show him as racist but this doesn't seem like it's that kind of a movie it's just him using it for the sake of using it and it's gonna it's I think it's gonna leave a bad taste in people's mouth but we'll see and um, yeah. one other thing about that there's a really graphic off-putting sex scene in it. Which I'm not going to say what it is because it's a major spoiler. But the, the flashback, I don't know that it's necessarily visualized, but it is a it is a flashback. I don't know if it is. Let's just say it's, it involves uh, uh, oral sex, and it's a, not involving a, a man or and a woman together. <laughs> a, God forbid! <laughs> no. Spoiler alert! But I, the person that I know but that yeah. saw it, who saw it and told me that their reaction to it was that um, it was uh, uh, really like off-putting and so that is a potentially another pile of shit he's going to step in if you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. yes because i i actually also had uh, a, a person at that screening as well <laughs> with tarantino there and and the yeah. response to that sex scene uh was was really not good right. and he's just are we talking about anger from the gay community because they're gonna no 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 not at all just that oh. that tarantino is not good at directing a sex scene right mm. but but i would also say maybe maybe um well, the point of it is that Samuel L. Jackson is telling the story to Bruce Dern's character in order to enrage him and get him to pull on him, pull a gun. And uh, that's what the undercurrent of this scene is about. It's not about sex for its own sake. So it's rape. Like... Yeah, yeah. 
It's rape. No, no, it's, it, it was, it's about humiliation. That's what the theme of the sex scene is. Oh, God, I just, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan, but I feel like, I sometimes feel like he's just in a different era now. He's just, the era has passed him, like you were saying, Eric. He's just not quite... We all have yeah, to, you I, know, I, I, we, I, we I all think take so. our experiences, and, and we stay, they, it stays with us, and we do have to kind of stop every 10 years or and say, let's recheck this. Let's right. kind of, do, can we grow past this? Do we need to grow? Do we need to, re you know, refresh the, the page? Listen, right, have a nice anniversary, and um, congratulations, Mazel Tov. Awesome. Thank you so much. You. Okay. And thanks for having me. This has been really, really fun. This is a lot of fun. Good. Let's do it again soon. This All is, right. That works for me. This is very uh, pleasant. And uh, I didn't, you know, with Sasha and I have to keep the ball going. It's it just easier with three of us. So. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Once, I mean, you get to a point where you, you kind of want to stop talking, and it's really great to have other people pick up the ball and, and run. <laughs> right. right. All right, you it's guys. Awesome. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you All later. Right. Okay. okay you guys too. Bye. 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 Thanks. You've been listening to episode 113 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com, and Eric Anderson from Awards Watch. The bumper music today features two songs by Laurie Anderson, the first, Let X Equal X, and the second, Hiawatha. Do not miss her documentary, Heart of a Dog, uh, about her beloved pet, and it's really about grief and death. Um, and morning. It's fantastic. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening. By the shores of They're gonna circle by day They're gonna fly by night
See you. 